Welcome to the Know, Like, and Trust show with Brittany Gardner, the podcast where we explore the world of personal branding and how to build your know, like, and trust factor up for ultimate business success. And now here's your host, Brittany Gardner. Hey everyone, welcome back. Today we're going to be talking about all things niching, what it can do for your business, and what you might do while you're in the process of moving niches and moving directions in your business and how to handle all of that. I'm going to dive in with Lisa Prinsick in just a minute. First, I want to tell you a little bit about her. She's a trained business strategist and the host of the Scaling Deep podcast. Lisa's clients turn to her for help with business growth when they are worn out from chasing the next mass marketing trick, but know they need to go beyond word of mouth. She's a results-oriented deep thinker, and I would also add a direct speaker because I love talking with people like that, who has an innate instinct for seeing the value of business and turning that into a pipeline of ideal clients. A staunch believer in business simplicity and intention, Lisa helps her clients accomplish their goals by focusing on what to do and what to ignore. And then I wanted to read to you a quick quote from a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, as we're calling it these days. Lady Cupcake says, this is a fantastic listen for anyone in business. Brittany herself is incredibly knowledgeable and easy to listen to. Thanks, Lady Cupcake. And each of her guests brings something unique to the show. Really enjoyed this. I can't wait for the next episode. So thank you so much for those kind words, of course. And I agree. I love how each one of the guests we have brings something unique to the show. And Lisa today is going to bring her direct speaking, as I mentioned, and also her, you know, you know, tendency for tangents like me, but in a good way, because we're going to be talking about what to do when you know that you need to niche down, when you have that feeling of vague, as Lisa will say, resting over you. So without further ado, let's hop in and I'm going to let Lisa take it away. All right, Lisa, thank you so much for coming to the No Like and Trust Show. Thanks for having me, Brittany. I'm excited to be here. And I'm really excited to talk to you. So longtime listeners will know I geek out on niching I love talking about how people set up their businesses, the kind of people that they choose to serve, and and really just digging into those nitty-gritty things. Because I know for a fact, most of my clients in the past think that they've niched down, and then they usually realize along the way, oh, I'm still kind of broad. Or maybe if I did this, it'd be easier to do my messaging. And I know that all of those things are kind of lofty subjects when you first look at them on the face. But when you get into it, they're not so lofty and you realize exactly why they make an impact in your business. So why don't you take it away and tell us a little bit about your take on niching? Yeah, I'd love to. Well, I'm obsessed with niching and it's probably like a a cobbler's uh, own shoes problem. Like I've struggled myself to find the niche that I really felt that I could commit to that felt really authentic to me and what my skill set was. So of course I'm obsessed with it because I've had this like, I need to figure this out. <laughs> so that's often the case. So my my experiencing niching was that, well, I'm a business strategist and I literally was like a life coach 12 years ago and then a business coach and then without a ton of business experience, but such a passion towards working with small businesses and, and such a belief in entrepreneurship that, and then becoming a business strategist was like as narrow as I got. And it was still really hard to stand out and be distinct because what business owner doesn't need a strategist? So when you when you can serve all people, you're probably not catching anyone's attention 
enough, <laughs> anyone in particular. So that's where I became more focused on helping my clients get crystal clear on what I kind of call your value. Well, well, it's just a standard term is your value proposition, which is really like, what is the unique distinct value that you can provide people better than someone else? And when you start putting it into those terms, you realize that, yeah, you have to start getting more specific because that's a pretty big claim to say that I can help, you know, as this person doing this, say you're a life coach, as a life coach, I can help people more than anyone else in the world improve their life. Well, that's probably not so possible. So we have to start really getting clear on what specific outcome can we get and what kind of people are going to be more attracted to that outcome and willing to do whatever it takes to get that outcome. Those are people who are really ready for that change. And that's who we can focus on. So that's kind of where I start with the idea of a niche. It's like really about this unique value proposition. So I think it's so funny that you said you really struggled with your niche as a business strategist when you made that transition, because I've always kind of found life coaches are actually the ones that have such a problem with defining a niche, because I mean, what does a life coach do? They they talk about your life? I mean, to a non, a non-personal non development person. Well, life is a big thing. So there's lots of aspects of our lives, right? Yeah, absolutely. I've spoken with so many life coaches who really struggle with the niching thing. So I think it's interesting that you really came to that as a head when you moved into business strategy as as what you were doing rather than when you were in the life coaching space. One of the things that happened to me, and I want to share the story because it does it does show how much positioning and messaging is really important to that, is that Okay, so when I was more general, I used to get a quite a bit of Google traffic, like local Google Google traffic, people searching business coach. And when I was more of a general of a business coach, I and my messaging wasn't as strong. I got a lot of got like not a say ton of traffic, but I had people who were primed to buy. I mean, they were researching business coach, like in the local area. So that meant that they were further along the readiness than just, oh, I'm researching something. And I didn't get a ton of consoles, but when I started focusing more on business strategy and then over the last year, even more on the marketing part of business strategy, I got a lot of people who signed up for consults and actually became clients without knowing me at all. Like they met me on my website. So I, I would say that even though like, business strategy, it definitely is more distinct than a coach, but still it's like, you can't, it's really hard to develop a visibility strategy on something as general as figure out your business, <laughs> you know, like get a strategy, get a plan, figure out your value proposition, find your model, get your best offer, get the best positioning because the guess, you know, that's kind of what I do. Like I, I start at the start with the businesses I work with and if they come to me with marketing, but I'm like, I don't understand your offers. Then we do have to go there because there's no point marketing. If you're bringing back people back to offers that don't convert or sell, or that if I'm reading their website, I'm like, I know what you do, but I'm not clear from reading this, what you're actually saying. So I always have to backtrack to that. So that does include quite a few things and people don't really love buying general things. They want that one size fits all framework on how to build a course, even if they are not ready to sell a course in their business, they still are like are more attracted to that because they 
can see and feel and touch it. You know, like everyone knows what an online course is like. So I feel like that's where it is distinct, potentially more distinct, but it's still includes a lot of things I'm working on with a client. So I would say it's not that memorable still. So when you're talking about making a memorable statement and, and really defining that niche into one clear thing, like what is the quote unquote <laughs> right way to do that? Oh, okay. <laughs> no, this is the hard part. So there is no one right way. And I, this is my answer to everything, <laughs> but there are some ways. So I will give you a several different ways that I think can, people can niche down that is more authentic. So for one, having a tangible service and, you know, like I also started a year ago, which I'm kind of fading out now is Facebook ads. I actually did some Facebook ads for clients. I decided I needed to learn a few more tangible skills a year and a half ago. So I began learning about those kinds of things. And in the past a few years ago, I got really into copywriting and I had that as a bit of an add-on service for my clients. And I don't do that anymore, but it's such a great skill set. Things like that, like had I done that eight years ago or seven years ago, I would have had a really busy business because it's very clear what I offer. So having a tangible service, like I have a great friend who's a web designer. She's it's very clear what you get when you work with her because you can see her the websites that she's done. And that is a one way to, to niche down that doesn't pigeonhole you forever into doing a thing, but it definitely gives you a distinct value and people either know they need it or know they don't. And if you stand out, you will do well and you can always evolve and scale in a different way later. The other is a getting a little bit more clear on the trans just literally like the customer journey and the transformation. And so one of the ways I kind of hacked, as I mentioned earlier, my niche was just having excellent messaging. Like my messaging on my website, people would come to it and say like, I want my website to like make people feel how I felt when I landed on yours. Like, so I was, I was kind of hacking in that I was, I've still been a business and marketing strategist offering like, you know, this, business clarity transformation for them, like confidence in what they're going to sell and what they're going to move forward with. But it's still fairly general. Like I could never promise exactly what we're going to work on until we start diving in. But I definitely had the messaging that made them feel like I got them and I was the best person to help them. And that it was a way that you can really, really change the outcome and then the other way, which is really the old fashioned way is that what's the need in the market? <laughs> so where's the hole? Like, and you can take a really practical approach to saying like, what is the, what are people actually needing right now? And that can be something that's a little bit bold. And I would say a very bold message. So that's a little bit different than like value proposition messaging, which is like, I can relate to you. Here's, you know, that conversion copywriting style, but it's like really standing for something, having a strong mission and having a strong message that you've put out into the world in a big way can help you be identifiable and memorable. So those are three ways that I do think that if anyone is listening, is kind of sitting on this, I feeling a vague, then I would say that to, it's not just going to, it can just come to you, but if you don't try these things, it's harder to come to you. I would really urge you to go and figure out which of these three paths can you explore and to start getting more clarity. Because at least when your messaging is bold, you can 
get the feedback. <laughs> like, you know, if people are like, wow, I can't, I'm so glad you're saying that. I haven't heard anyone say that, or this is what I needed to hear right now. You can tell if you're in the right, going in the right direction. Totally. One of my clients is a therapist that helps women going through divorce. And she said it in a therapy, you know, divorce kind of context, right? But I feel like it's so applicable to everything that you and I are talking about. She says the reason journaling is so good is because it allows you to think through things that if you were just sitting there on the couch thinking, your brain wouldn't go there or your brain wouldn't make that connection. But when you sit down to journal, it's a different way of processing and you actually move through something. And I was like, yeah, so that's 100% applicable to everything that you and I are talking about in terms of your brand awareness. You have to actually go through the exercises to get the results. So if you are sitting on that feeling of vague, like you said, in which direction do I want to go? Which market do I want to serve? Try these three exercises and see what happens, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, experimentation is like critical. <laughs> like I've, I've realized that how much it is, how valuable it is. And we have to really change that kind of failure feeling into this, like, okay, this might hurt for a little bit, but I am, I have to test, you have to test things. And there are ways to test things. So one of the things I did, I'll just share another little story with you because I actually did kind of land upon my niche <laughs> a little bit in the last couple of months. So I'll share it with you. I recognized that I love business models, right? And I love having people find their like dream business model, which is really just the description of like, what do you offer to whom and how do you get the word out? And like, how do you deliver the service? And, and that, that is to me is like what we're all trying to find is this like, how do we earn, give, serve, grow in a way that is really fun and like feels meaningful. And I, so I think that's, that's like, I just think that's a beautiful thing. So I'm always focused on that. And, but it is still, it's this, nobody wants to talk about business models. <laughs> like it's like they do in like startup incubators, but not really in our world of online business. Yeah. They just want to do stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like just like save like the intellectual speak and just like show me how to make money. <laughs> so I realized though, that there was one type of model that I saw a lot of potential with that is it was kind of turning into a hot topic, but I'd kind of come up with this before it was turning into this. Now everybody has a, and I'll say it, a membership program. So what, you know, it, they started growing like crazy, but before that, it like, I think back in September, I was like, oh, I think a lot of my clients have or want to grow or have been working with, even with ads, membership models. And I'm even helping some transition to memberships or at least adding those. I was like, wow. And then I started really diving into like, what did I think of them? And I realized that they have all this potential to be actually quite unique. Like they are, they are not a one size fits all formula. Like I, and I'm almost kind of having fun challenging the notion of what people think it is like, oh, it's all about communities. Like, well, does it really have to be or could it be an education one or could it be a coaching one? Like, so I'm really having fun with that. And I realized that I could focus just on memberships and there's not a lot of women in that space. And a lot of the talk is about like membership sites and all these tactical, technical things that don't actually make businesses work. They just supplement it, but it's the stuff that people like to obsess with because they can control it. <laughs> and I realized that, wow, I could put my like self behind this. So I started transitioning and, and here's how I did it. The first thing I did was mention it to a few of the people around me in my life. It's like, oh, I'm thinking about this. What do you think? And I got answers like, oh, I like that. And someone said, there's not enough feminine leadership in this space on this topic. And I just got some really strong, like, signs that said like this people are it's like 
you know, little, there's a little spark going off. I can kind of almost, even though I can't see them because it's like Voxer half the time, their eyes light up. I can kind of feel their eyes lighting up and going, ooh, and they're intrigued. And then that makes me know that I'm onto something that has legs. And I, I did something else, like I said, what's the first thing I do? I wrote a big blog post on it. And I really sunk into it and it was a strategic, like a high level blog post. And I sent it, I put it in a group and said like, here's what I've been thinking and here's what I've decided to do. And here's, I'm testing it. I got so much feedback on that blog post in a group. I'm like, oh, this really has legs. And I even had someone hire me based on it. So that was a huge signal. And so I tested it, right. To see like, is this an actual niche? So first of all, I had to be like, yeah, I could totally sign up to be a membership growth person strategist. Like I could totally focus on that because there's so much room in there. It doesn't make me feel pigeonholed, but is it distinct enough that other people say, Oh, I should get, do a consult with you. Oh, I might hire you down the road. And now guess what? That's what people are starting to say. So that I validated it and loved it enough. That's just to, to show you how to test because you never, ever know. Like I could have come up with something else that landed flat. Yeah. This might be a little bit of a tangent. So if it is, I apologize. When you're talking about like, you know, making a transition, you know, you you got this kind of spark of an idea, you threw it out to a couple close confidants, they loved it, you wrote this epic blog post, posted it, you even booked a client off of it, you're moving in this direction, right? But then you also said a few minutes ago, you know, you had kind of this overall business strategy thing going on and people were so attracted to you based on the messaging, the strong messaging on your website. They came to you and they said, I don't know everything that you can do for me, but I want that. I want messaging that speaks to my people. I want messaging that that draws me in the way I was drawn into you. So how do you reconcile those two things? Because it sounds like there's multiple things that you're good at as many entrepreneurs can probably assess to. And and you got these these varied skill sets, even, you know, like Facebook ads, copywriting and everything. How do you reconcile that with people coming to you and saying, I want this thing when you're starting to pull interest into another area? Okay, so that's a really interesting question because I'm in the middle of it right now, right? <laughs> right? Like, I, it's a it's an experiment. So it was tough for me to kind of go like, now what, now what? So like, I'm a quick start. I like to move quickly on things and I feel good when I move quickly. And when I, when I don't have an answer, like I don't know what to do next. I feel I get really like squirrely. <laughs> it's stressful for me. <laughs> and, and it doesn't mean I don't like my downtime, but I definitely don't like not knowing what the plan is. I have this obsession with planning and I, they don't have to all work out, but I love to know what I'm planning. So I was sitting there and going like, what do I do next? My friend's like, I don't know. You just do this and this and this. I'm like, that's not enough. Like, do I change my offers? Do I change my website? Like, what do I do? And I realized that I didn't really need to do anything until it made sense to do it. So I think what we can do is that we can grow our niches and we can start building awareness and recognition in with really key strategies. Like for example, I have one big uh, online community I'm in and I, you know, I've changed my title there. I've changed my title on LinkedIn. I've changed my title on my email signature and Instagram. And so when there is some kind of thread on, oh, I'm thinking of doing a membership, but I don't want to do a community. I'd be like, oh, here are my thoughts on that. Like I, so I share that. So I'm not, not necessarily changed anything on my website, nor my offers. I've started shifting a bit of my content on my podcast, but not all of it. Because I, if I was just to all of a sudden, like, 
shift gears instantly. Like I would still probably get like the referral clients, the people who are coming to me anyway, and I'd still probably sell them the same thing. But it it does not make sense to make an abrupt move without that traffic coming in. So there was no need to change my one-on-one services. So like, right. So that's what I'm offering. I'm offering a lot of one-on-one. I still love working with all kinds of business models. I still love serving all kinds of service providers and professionals and consultants and coaches, but it, I, so I didn't, but I didn't need to rebrand overnight because there was nobody asking for that. I was like planting seeds. So that was then, but then now like it hit me that I needed to do something big. And so that after that big thing, which I'm doing, which is a summit called the Profitable Membership Summit, <laughs> that could be a time where I'm, where I'm like, yep, I'm all in, like from the brand, from the outside, from the everything. When I have a whole bunch of traffic and leads and attention on that topic only, that may, makes sense. But in the meantime, you know, my list hasn't grown by leaps and bounds. Like it's still doing the same thing that it's been doing for months now. So making that abrupt switch doesn't have to happen just because I've made a a commitment to niching. I know how many entrepreneurs like move from one thing to another and it's not, I don't know, from like a corporate person's perspective, I would imagine it looks flighty or it looks like someone can't make up their mind. But from the entrepreneurial point of view, we're testing the waters. Like we're we're seeing, does this feel good? Does this stick? Is this the thing that's going to really light me up? And that takes time to figure out. But I love how you phrased it, that you don't have to change everything from the outside immediately. You're primarily probably working one-on-one and you can keep doing that until you are ready to make a real outward shift. Yeah. And I think it's like, that is the experiment. That is the test and change like experimentation model. It is not meant to be like a reactive thing or an emotional thing. Like that's not really how to calculate risk (laughs) and to test and change. It's, it's supposed to be this, like, I do things when they make sense. It's like people always say when your audience is asking for something, that's when you start to to do it. And, but first of all, you can't just expect the audience to start asking for things if you're not putting it out there. So you have to put something out there and then see like, what are, how are people responding to it? And then when it, when you're getting the majority of it, or you can see the model, like, cause so for example, with the summit, like I'm really excited about it and I'm putting a lot of energy, time, money into it. Like I'm going for it. Right. And I love it because I love the relationships I develop with the speakers. Like it just, to me, it's a huge growth thing for so many reasons, but it's a really big positioning thing. So number one, I, the positioning I'm doing by saying, Hey, I'm the membership queen kind of (laughs) will really be useful. But the secondary thing is that it might actually be like, wow, I have like a few thousand people who are all like, how do I learn how to design my membership? And I'm like, okay, well, here's this course. (laughs) So at that point, that's the signal that I'm like, oh, this thing really has interest. Like there's really a big opportunity here. I think that's when you have to take the big, take the leap. So there's a mental leap and an, a, and a, and a mental shift and a commitment leap, but then there's a, a collateral leap, like where you, where everything has to go with you, but you can't do that one without the test. 100%. You need to know whether going all in is actually going to pay off for you because as fun as something might be on a whim, you still need to make money. Yeah. And you need to know that you like it enough because what if you do it? Like I always have this thing, like, what if I don't like it? <laughs> I, I love to, and, and that's, 
not often the case, but I still want to give myself a chance to feel the authenticity, like, cause I'm really can't, I can't lie. I can't really cheat myself. Right. Like I always know what's going on for me. So I needed to know that I'm like, can I own this? Can I, can I put myself in this more, more narrow category? The other thing too, it's not a massive flip flop. Like everything I'm doing is related. So it's not like going one direction and then being like, nope, I disagree with that direction. I've, I've like switched, you know, that's a little bit, that's flip floppy. And I, I think that maybe smaller steps and narrowing is really the goal. I really think that we're going to have to narrow more. I think the online world is getting busier and busier and busier, and we have to be pretty distinct. Let's just be honest, some of the happenings in 2020 are really hastening that pace too. I did an episode back in March talking about all the new online businesses that we were going to see popping up this year because the reality is when everyone goes home and can't work in the office, they get really comfortable not having their commute. And then they start thinking, well, how can I keep it this way? How can I change it? And that's not even counting all the people who were laid off and forced into figuring out what they could do for themselves, right? So when we have all these new people the influx. It's it's going to result in a lot of new online businesses. And the generalists are not going to survive that nearly as well as people who are known for doing one thing, one specific offer. Absolutely. I mean, even even really big businesses, like the eight-figure businesses out there, have are most of them are fairly specific. They are known for one program or one type of thing they help you achieve or gain it's they're they're specific and you know i i think that that's where you have to start regardless so rather than the opposite like i mean take my painful story <laughs> of being frustrated for so many years of like not getting noticed not getting found i mean i had some other things like i wasn't developing relationships as much as i i don't know why i was just sort of not quite cluing into that and and I've, my, my world of relationships, especially through podcasting is just amazing. Like I, I would say that it's amazing. <laughs> like I have so much support to find like speakers for my summit. I have so many people I can outreach to and be like, Hey, I need X, Y, Z kind of person. Like, do you know, who do you know? And I'm, it's incredible, right? Like I have this real, really big resource of amazing people and real big supporters in my, in my life now that I did not have two years ago. So I, I was, that was part of my, my problem is that I was like isolating myself a little bit, not meaning to, and that made a big difference. So I think there's, there's like so much that we can do that is helping to create or give us more feedback, you know, on what we're doing and how it's landing. And I think that those relationships are huge as well. Well, Lisa, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your summit and what people might find in that summit and how we can find you online. So I can be found at scalingdeep.com and I have a podcast, Scaling Deep, which Brittany will be on in some point near in the future. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so you can find me there if you just want sort of more general stuff or to get on my mailing list. But yeah, the Profitable Membership Summit is happening last week of February, the 23rd to 26th. And it's really about membership curious people and also people who already have them and they know that they need to rethink some things and 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 work harder to figure out like, like all things in their business, like what is the core outcome that people are really here for and how do I double down on that so I can keep members happy and and continue to serve people without completely draining themselves because I think these 
types of programs have the the risk of like, oh, I'll just give them everything. And then and then you're like, oh, <laughs> that was too much. So uh, yeah, helping to plan and grow their membership. So that, yeah, that's ProfitableMembershipSummit.com. Lisa, thank you so much. I, I love how we had so many different stories that really just illustrated the, the various things that niching and then moving niches can do for your business. And just all of these things that could feel like, you know, a, a stab out into the void really don't have to be if you think them through and test things the proper way. Thanks so much for having me. All right. Thanks again to Lisa. I don't know about you guys, but I will definitely be tuning into her summit. Memberships are going to be a big thing in the coming years here. And I know that the way Lisa is talking about it, not just as a business model, but how you can niche into that business model, how you can use a membership in a very specific way to further your business. I love her take on that. And I can't wait to see what the other people on her summit will be talking about. So go check that out. There will be a link in the show notes, of course. All right, guys, we will see you next week. 